Let's say our confession. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, I feel like I'm, you know, sharing with the choir tonight, really, because many of you have been on the worship team. Some of you been involved in music and things, but, um, you know, my whole life was music. My family's all musical. Um, everything in our house was about singing. Everything with, uh, really, in our home was about around my mother playing the piano and all of us, the, all four of us, uh, children, we, we all sang. We all sang parts, so we had, a, we had all the harmony parts. And, and so music was always a part of my life. Church was always a part of my life. Um, we always went to church. My mother always took us. Uh, Evangelical United Brethren Church. Uh, and then the Methodists uh, took over that. I mean, they merged, and so we became Methodist. And then one day I became a, uh, a charismatic. Now, that was a real distress to most of my family at that time. They weren't sure what I had done, but I knew something changed on the inside of me. And what happened was, by the power of the blood of Jesus, I was able to be in the presence of God. That's exactly what happens when you get born again. You know, before that, the door is always open, but I'd never really walked through that door. I said the Apostles' Creed. You know, I said everything they said to say in a service. Uh, not a whole lot of talk about the devil. First thing I knew about a devil is when I got saved and, and became a, a tongue-talking Christian, which was really over the top for uh, my family. But God did something on the inside of me, and music that I had always been involved in, playing the organ, singing, uh, directing choirs, music suddenly was different. It was now praise and worship. There's praise and worship. There's music. You know, there's a lot of good song leaders. There's a lot of people who have great voices. But worship and praise are different than just singing a song. And uh, I had to learn all over again what that meant. And so tonight, uh, I want to I share a little bit with you from the scripture. And then I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony where praise and worship is concerned, but um, <clears throat> in Psalm 22.3, this is what it says. Everybody say, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. God is enthroned. It says, but you are holy, this is God, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Now, Israel at this time, uh, those were God's people. Today, in the day we live in, we're God's people. So when we worship and we begin to put our focus on God and begin to worship him, praise him, then he is enthroned. What that means is that he, a seat to seat in a place associated with a position of authority or influence. Everybody say authority, authority. or influence. And I said that in the worship time. You know, when Solomon finished the temple, he, he prayed a long prayer. You know, prayer... And praise and worship just seemed to flow back and forth together. And so uh, David prayed a long prayer uh, for the people of Israel. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, if, if they mess up, 
but they return to you. Will you hear their prayer? Will you hear their prayer in this place? And will you answer them? You know, if they call on you, will you answer them? And he gave several instances of how they could mess up. Do you know why he said that? Because Israel messed up all the time. So, you know, whatever's happened in your life is no new thing to God. Because God has always had situations where people messed up. His own children, Adam and Eve, messed up. So, you know, messing up doesn't keep you from being in the presence of God. As long as you repent. Everybody say repent. (laughs) Repent. You stop the work of the enemy against your life, and then your fellowship with God is just totally restored. You're never, never separated from God. Because when you receive Christ... He lives in you. But your fellowship can be broken quickly when you're doing things that are not what God asked you to do. How many of you have ever felt that? It's like, I don't know where God went. Well, God didn't go anywhere. You know, it's us who stepped away. And the first place you recognize that something's not right is if you try to worship. Why is that? Because God is enthroned in your worship. What does that mean? He sits down and takes authority and influence over your life in worship. So, you know, there's a lot of people who don't really enjoy worship. Uh, you know, they, they might be able to sing a song, but worship puts God in a position where he can do something in your life, where he can speak to you, where he can touch your life and change you in an instant. Uh, he can bring about new life in a new way that you never experienced just in a worship service. And uh, I experienced this in my life. Uh, I, I was, you know, playing the organ in the church from the time I was 16 years old and had to go to worship rehearsals every Thursday night when most people in high school were not going to choir rehearsal. And, uh, you know, and I had to play the organ every Sunday morning, and we didn't have a midweek service. But so I was trained in those things. I was used to those things. But it was just what I did. It was like a, a job. Now, I always knew there was something on the inside of me that said, what is that? You know, it was like a, when I'd play and worship, it was, it was like I'd start to get excited, kind of like, you know. And uh, they said when I played the organ, it was always so different from the other organist. Well, I think I jazzed it up a little, you know, and I'd, I'd get to going and I'd be singing to myself. And, and the, I could tell there was something, but I wasn't born again. And, and I never really had given my heart to Jesus, but I could feel something. When I got saved, I was like a wild choir director. Everything lit up. You know, the people lit up that I was directing. Everything became new because God was enthroned. He took that position in my life. And things really began to change in my life totally. And not because of me trying, but because of the love that came out of that relationship in worship. And so uh, I have to restrain myself sometimes up here uh, when I'm playing the keys because I could worship for a long time. But I know people aren't ready. And the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And the Holy Spirit doesn't beat people up to make them do something. So as the worship leader, you have to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's saying. You know, they may have had enough when you didn't have enough, but you have to be sensitive to the worship in the churches to bring all of you in, not just for me. I can come in here anytime. 
and worship, and I do, uh, especially I like to on Saturday night. You know, and then I just can sing whatever I want to sing for however long I want to sing, and I can mess up all over the place, and nobody cares. God doesn't care. He just knows I'm praising him, and I'm worshiping him. And in that place, he changes things. You know, I, I feel for people who miss the worship service. You know, we do have people, and we've had people for years, and we had it at Victory, who get there as soon as the worship's over. We don't have to be there till 9.15. They're still singing. Well, they've missed an opportunity for God. And then they come expecting God to fix whatever's wrong, and he was doing that in the worship. Does that make sense? And so, you know, it's always bothered me when I see people wait to come, or they wait till after the offering even. Some will wait till after the offering. All the parts of the time that the congregation is together, God puts a purpose in that for every person who's here. And we worship with our offerings. We worship with the singing. We worship by, you know, rejoicing in the word that God gives us and in uh, surrendering at the end of that message to whatever it is that God wants to do in our life. All of that's worship because that gives him the enthroned position, which is authority and influence in our life. Everybody say, God has authority authority. and influence when I put him in the right position, which is when you worship. doesn't have to be singing. It can be talking. Psalm 151 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Would you check your neighbor, see if we wouldn't want to have to call the hearse or anything this this evening? (laughs) Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything that has breath. You know, I, I uh, love where my bedroom is situated, but the birds love this bush outside my bedroom. Every morning, right and early, they start tweeting away, in the spring especially. But, you know, it says, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, my song shall rise to thee. There was another one that said, um, when morning gilds the sky, my heart awaking cries, may Jesus Christ be praised. Those are hymns. They're spiritual too. Just wanted to tell you. I've lived through hymns and all kinds of music. Every bit of it has a place. So many people have missed out. The wave came in and they got on shore. And the wave went out, and they didn't go. And the next wave came in, and they got out of the way because they didn't want to get wet like that. They like hymns. I get wet in hymns, but I don't get wet in spiritual songs or choruses. See, what, what has happened? Everything that hath breath will praise the Lord. That's no matter what's going on, no matter what the music. We can all find a place in it. Believe me, playing that keyboard with the music we got today, did you hear that beginning? Bump, 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 bump. You know, poor John used to say to me, quicker, quicker. <laughs> God, help me, Jesus. You know, uh, I have to pray to do those beats and, and figure out those things. But after you get going, God just takes hold of you. If you just start worshiping, he just grabs a hold of you. And after that, it doesn't really matter if the bonk's on the right place. Just bonk, bonk away and go. (laughs) I'm just being honest with you tonight because there's a lot of difference between playing a church organ and the music of today. 
a lot different to play four stanzas of the same hymn than it is to play a chorus, a verse, a chorus, a bridge, and maybe something else on the tag on the end, and all these things that go on today. So I've had to grow. Everybody say, we grow. We have to be willing to grow in worship. This is what it says in Psalm 100. I love Psalm 100. Do you have that one up there? Okay. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. God doesn't mind if you shout. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Then it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You know, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. That means no matter how many times the way people sing the songs or what instruments they use, it's for all generations. Everybody say all generations. You know, in a worship service, when you, um, when you have, like, when we left Victory in Tulsa, 6,000 people, there's going to be people who don't enjoy every song. There, there are going to be people. And uh, the music today is guitar-driven, where the music, when I was younger, was a more keyboard. And before that, it was just an organ sound. I mean, there were no guitars in the church I grew up in. Uh, it would probably be sacrilegious to have a guitar go off, you know, in the middle of something. And so everything was just an organ or the piano. And, uh, you know, it, there were a lot of solos, you know, and everybody rejoiced in hearing Sister Sally sing her solo. Uh, we sang hymns, but it, I was, we were never taught where I was in church. We were never taught that it was about worship. It was hymn number 147. And uh, you could put in your request. I don't know that it made any difference. But, you know, it, it, you know, it was, I, and I'm just saying that's the way they did it. But that ministered to my great-grandma. That's the way she liked it. If I'd have taken off on Raise a Hallelujah when I was 19, I could have gotten off that organ in a hurry. I wished I'd have known because I'd have probably done it because it wasn't my idea to play it. But when God puts you in that position of worship, uh, that's a place where he is going to be exalted. And when he's exalted, then his presence is going to come. And so it's no longer about me. It's no longer about the worship team. It's about the people that are sitting right out there that God has sent so the anointing can begin to touch their lives and God makes a change. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. You know, David was a psalmist, so if you read the Psalms, you're going to, this is David, and how many of you ever read the Psalms? You know, he can start out in the pit. Then he rises up out of the pit, and if nothing goes wrong, he stays there. But if something comes his way, back down in the pit he goes. Some Psalms end in the pit, some Psalms end in the mountaintop. But he was a psalmist. He wrote those Psalms. They had to do with his life. And so I want to just give you a few scriptures. Everybody say, sing a new song. Uh, so hard for people to sing a new song. Now, I understand the songs of today are so wordy. Some of them are way too wordy for people to worship. They can praise, but worship is like, it's like a tongue twister. And, and, you know, you just get them in the throne room, and then you put a song up there that they don't know the words. Everybody stops, comes back out of the throne room so they can learn the words to the song. <laughs> That's not the way it goes. 
It's not two fast songs and a slow song. It's a praise song that's horizontal. Praise is we're all worshiping together and talking about how great God is. Then we come into the place of hopefully we've entered into the place of God's presence. And then we crawl up on his lap and we let him speak to us and we tell him how wonderful he is. It's about him. And, and, and in that time, he'll change you. He'll make a difference. So the psalmist, David, he said in Psalm 96, 1, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. So there's no exceptions here to I don't have a good voice. I can't sing on key. I'm, I'm tone deaf. That doesn't say that. Psalm 149, 1 says, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. That's why we praise all together in the assembly of the saints. Psalm 33, 3 says, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Your voice is an instrument. Your voice has a, a sound, and, and heaven hears that sound. I remember when I first started worshiping, um, God told me, uh, when you sing, I'll come. When I hear your voice, I'll come. He'll come for you. I'm, I'm no, no respecter of persons. When you begin to sing to him, he will come because he will be enthroned in those praises that you're giving him. And uh, sometimes the hardest things that you have to walk through are when you need to praise the most because you need his touch. You need his presence. Uh, Psalm 98.1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song for he's done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. And then this Psalm 29, 1 and 2. Give to the Lord, O you mighty ones. Everybody say, I'm a mighty one. (laughs) Give to the Lord glory and strength. And then give to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. And that's what happens when you transition from praise to worship. It's like you... There's, there was a most holy place in the Bible. We'll talk about that next month with covenant. But, you know, there was the holy place, but then there was the most holy place. And for me, when, when you go from praising and you're, everybody's rejoicing in how great God is, that isn't always just fast songs. That can be a lot of songs. But worship becomes intimate. And then it's just you and God. And when you get in that place, that's when it's not good for somebody who came late to try to get in your row. If there's anything that I about come off my piano about, it's people climbing over people once we start worshiping because it breaks the anointing for the person who's there. Now, I know people can be late to church, but um, I've asked the ushers before, just hold them, put them in the back. They can move once we greet, but in the worship People should not be climbing over people. And there isn't a church that I've been to that there's enough room for people to go through an aisle without touching somebody or disrupting that place. Uh, It's a special place. It's the secret place. It's the place where it's you and God. And the devil, not the people, the devil will use things like that to stop the ministry of the Holy Spirit to that person. And then it's, it, it's lost, you know. And, you know, it's, excuse me, excuse me, how are you today? I love your shirt. And, you know, it's like, what? <laughs> uh, 
I'm just being honest with you today. I am serious when it comes to worship because I know what God will do in the quiet place. And that's why we do it. That's why we start our service that way is to invite him in to take that place in this service. You know, uh, my husband used to say, uh, we're, you know, sing something before we start. Why? Because when we sing and we begin to worship God, his presence comes, and then the word has a place to go in. It's like people's hearts open up, and then they can hear what's going on. They, they do forget about some of the issues that they brought in the door with. It's kind of like getting a bath. You know, it's a washing that comes over people when you worship. And so um, it doesn't have to be so long, you know, that you think you're going to fall over. But it does have to be as long as God wants it to be to get done what he came to do that day. Because coming to church is about God's business being done in that service, not ours. So it's, it's very important. Second Samuel 6.14, this is, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about David. Because, um, you know, David danced, you know, before the Lord. Now, I mean, the only person who really got mad was his wife. Everybody else seemed to dance along with him. But it's in 2 Samuel 6, 14. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. Now, this is very important because a linen ephod represents clergy or represents a, a pastoral or a priest position. So here's the priest who is dancing in front of all of the people. It, it's like uh, to his wife, it was like degrading his position to be dancing. And he said, I will dance with all my, I will be even more undignified. It'd be like Pastor Bill getting up here and starting to dance. And somebody go, oh, Pastor Bill has flipped his lid. Something's wrong with Pastor Bill. Because he's in his priestly garment. Now, we don't wear robes or anything. But the priests back then, they, they dressed, and you knew by the dress who they were. That was what signified their authority and their dominion. And why was he doing that? Because they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant. What does that mean? They were bringing the presence of God back into the city. And he was so excited about the presence of God that he began to dance and rejoice. And his wife looked out the window and was disgusted that he was doing that. Well, he was the leader, but he danced. Everybody say, he danced. Boy, in Tulsa, we had a whole thing go on about people dancing. There was a certain way to dance. And some people just get the going, you know, and the, oh, we don't do that. That's, that's not dancing. I'll let God be the, job, the judge of the dance. Hallelujah. That, that's not our place. Everybody say, I can dance before the Lord. We had a pastor's wife out there. She danced all the time. She couldn't sing without dancing. And she'd be singing across the stage, dancing, and this, you know, uh, we didn't think anything about it. We were rejoicing in the presence of God for the song that she was singing because it brought the anointing of God into the place. It wasn't like a performance. It was like a manifestation of the power of God through those words that she was singing. Everybody say it's okay to dance. We know David was a, a worshiper, and, and it says in uh, 1 Samuel that when Saul, you know, he, he got in trouble, lost his uh, kingship, and, and when he did, a distressing spirit came upon his life, a spirit of torment. You know, it's, it's, you don't want to mess around with the obedience that God requires of us. 
because it says that uh, he prefers obedience to sacrifice. Then it says that what he did was as the sin of witchcraft. When you get into witchcraft, you'll get tormented. And that distressing spirit came on him. But you know, when David played, that thing left. Everybody say, the high praises of God. Destroy the work of the enemy. Binds the devil. Can't operate. You say, well, how does that work? I don't know. But David said in Psalm 149, and I want to read this, Psalm 149, 5 through 9. Everybody say, bind and loose. You know, my husband often talks about how we're to bind and loose things. We do that with our words, but we can do that with our worship. And worship is a very important part of binding and loosing. The song we sang tonight, Raise a Hallelujah, was written because a little boy, a little three-year-old was passing away. They couldn't help him. They didn't know what to do. And the worship leaders in that church began to sing this song. And what that praise, I raise a hallelujah. I'm going to sing in the middle of this storm and begin to sing. That was binding powers and principalities that were against that little boy's life. And he was raised up. And I believe it was through that song. That's why the anointing is so strong on that song. You can tell an anointed song, especially with the congregation, when you don't even have to sing it once and they're already singing with you. They're already in. That's the anointing. That's, that means on that song, there's a power of the anointing that's already on that song that isn't God coming. He's, he's in that. He's in that. And that flow begins to happen. And that's exactly what happened in that song. Psalm 149, 5 says, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises, everybody say high praises. High praises praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. What does that mean? Worship and the word of God. The worship and the word of God together says to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. So when you begin to do that, you bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. When you begin to worship, the devil is bound. It's the story of Jehoshaphat. It's exactly the story of Jehoshaphat. You know, when Jehoshaphat prayed and began to seek God, everybody say prayed. Prayed. Say prayed, prayer, praise. He first prayed and asked God what to do. And that's when God told him through the prophet, you're not going to have to fight in this battle. Well, what did that mean? It meant that God was going to win the battle, but they didn't have to fight. But it didn't mean they didn't do anything. They were told to do whatever God told them to do, which when Jehoshaphat spoke with them the next morning, he said, now we're going to send the praisers out. That's when everybody on the praise team says, we're first. We're first. (laughs) Yeah, we're first. Because when the praises go out, all of the enemy in that story was destroyed by the praise. And not only were they destroyed, But all of the praisers and all of the people got all of the spoil. They got all the goods. You know, when when we're in here on Sunday morning, we're worshiping, there may be things that you are really struggling with that you need God to help you. They need to be bound. An attack against your life, an attack against your children or your family. When you begin to praise intentionally and you begin to see that when you're praising God, he is working on your behalf. He's doing business, not just in this room, but against powers and principalities that have people bound. And you've prayed about it, and God has said, praise me. And you begin to praise God. 
speaking with the word of God or singing and worshiping, then the power of God begins to do something that you cannot see with your natural eyes, but it is working. Everybody say it's working. It is binding. It is executing judgment on them. And listen to the last part of this verse, 9. This honor have all his saints. What honor? That we can praise God and have the enemy bound. Everybody say, that's an honor. That's something God has given us that we didn't deserve. That came because we're children of God. It came because of Jesus. That's why that's on our life. Um, you know, I, I believe that um, a lot of the body of Christ, they don't worship. Uh, that because you have to intentionally worship. Um, now, for me, you know, I don't always sing in my car. Uh, and I don't sing like a lot of people listen to worship. That's good. Sing it in your car along with KCFO or whoever you're listening to. But uh, when I'm by myself, intentional, I, everybody say intentional. I make a decision that I am going to praise the Lord until I, till I get the victory, <laughs> till I overcome whatever it is that's trying to come on me. And so it's more than singing a song. It's, it's going into that place where I know God is going to set me free. He's going to take care of the situation that is totally trying to consume my mind. How many of you have ever had things? They try to get on you. Sharon Doherty once was telling a story how um, she was in a terrible place. And there, there were things that happened in the ministry. They do all the time. But some things that were really critical. And God told her, you need to get up and praise me. She said, I don't feel like praising today. Her husband said, Sharon, you need to get up and dance and sing. She said, I didn't want to get up and dance and sing. But when I got up and did what God told me to do, that burden went right off me. Right off me. And I believe while she was doing that, God was working to bind powers and principalities. Because when we obey God, it releases the anointing of God to do what God wants to do. Praise and worship is very important in our lives. Um, I'm going to take a minute and just share with you. When I, when I first uh, encountered really worship was um, when I was in a Methodist church, but I was directing a choir that had eight churches involved in it, and one of them was people from the Assembly of God. And uh, I had never been to the Assembly, but I had gotten saved by people who did attend the Assembly. And uh, one of the girls that was in the choir came up to me very secretively, and it was Susan Dalton. And she said, um, do you have the Holy Spirit? I said, yes. I mean, just I said, yes. And then I thought, oh, I can't tell anybody here. Yes, I have the Holy Spirit. She said, I see it when you lead the choir. I thought, you see it? I've never seen it. But I had heard God tell me, you, you will lead people into my presence, but the people that I was leading were the congregation. I loved the choir. They all liked me. And so, you know, I liked them, and we all got along. And so this was a small group that I could lead, but in this dream I had, it was a whole big arena of people. And I was leading the worship. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. Well, you know, in my life, I was still had a lot of broken pieces. Everybody say broken pieces. And so when I went to Tulsa, uh, I began to just sit at my keyboard. 
I took my kids there. God directed me there. I can't tell that whole story tonight. But, you know, I was used to a hymnal. I was used to, there's pages in here, you know, and they just tell you what to play. I could read music. And so that's what I did. Well, when I got out there, the Lord told me, I'm going to fill you with my love until all of the hurt leaves. And then you're going to be okay. You'll be healed. I thought, well, what's he going to do? You know, what, what, how's he going to do that? But I just began to play my piano at night. Well, this was my, this used to not fall apart. This was my Baptist 100 heartwarming sacred favorites. I should have been crucified. I should have hung there and died. Now, you know, these don't sound like the songs of today, do they? Uh, only one thing will last. Uh, you know, I, I sang them all. One of them was so scary uh, today <laughs> that I, it said I would, have, I would have exchanged this for pain. I would, I'm thinking I wouldn't exchange anything for pain today. But back then, it, it was me talking to God playing my piano. And uh, over time, I, I cried every night. This is the truth. I thought I was having a nervous breakdown, but I was afraid to tell anybody because they take my kids. And uh, not that they would have minded at that point because they used to lay in their bedroom and scream, Stop singing! Stop playing the piano! I was talking to my son, Matt, today, and he goes, Oh, yeah, I remember those days. Sorry, Mom. But it was just really hard to go to sleep with you down there singing those songs all over. And, but I, I began to hear a song. I heard a song. And I never liked to be in front of people, never liked to sing, never liked to do anything in front of people. I would go to my room when my family would do a big sing and everybody come. And my sister would sing all over, dance, sing, mother, twirl, they, they do everything. But I'd go to my room. And I heard God say, sing for me, sing for me. Oh, my child, won't you sing for me? I thought, oh, no, I won't. <laughs> That's what I thought at the time. And he said, sing for me. Oh, sing for me. Child, won't you sing for me? And tell them I love them so. Tell them I care. Tell them I'll meet their needs to bring them in prayer. And if they only will believe, it is the truth they will receive. For all has been done for them in the name of my son. I thought, that's a song. And I began to play it on the keys. Now, uh, listen, all I did was read music. My mother is named that tune. You just sing, you say the name and she plays it. Not me. But she tried. I didn't want to be doing that. And so uh, just that quick, everything changed in my life. Everything changed. Because it was like I was hearing him tell me what to do. And so I said, okay, I'll sing for you. Right here at this piano, I'll sing for you. Not anywhere else. Uh, (laughs) Seriously. But then I found there was an exchange. I wasn't singing anymore for people. He said, sing for me. You sing for me. And so I could do it. I began to be able to do it all the time. And... uh, I, I just want to say to you, when you worship in your house and you have children, I call my son today because whenever I go to Tulsa, when I walk in, most of the time, he starts singing. 
praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. You know, he's all over the place. Every time he breathes, he changes and goes up a half a step. So the song just keeps escalating, you know. And, but let me tell you, I called him today. And I said, Matt, how many of you know this song? Could you put that video up? It changed my life. I went to a, a thing over in Jinx, Oklahoma, and Russ Taft was there. And he began to sing this song. And it was my life. When you're up against the struggle, and I was, that shatters all your dreams. And they had been, your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes. And you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fear. Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise, praise the Lord. Lord. I praise you, Jesus. He will work to praise Him. Praise, praise the Lord. Lord. God in heaven's praise. Praise the Lord. For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you. Satan is a liar And he wants to make us think That we are paupers When he knows himself That we're children of the king So lift up the mighty shield of faith Though the battle must be won We know that Jesus Christ is back there just worshiping For the people here tonight, Lord, change. Isn't that a great song? 
You know, when I heard that in that field, in that football field, and uh, it was just a song that at that point in my life, it just, it was everything that I was experiencing. And so I began to, I got that 33 and a third record, and uh, I kept it. Well, Matt was telling me today, you know, because I always, when I always wonder why he sings that song, but he always sings it to me. And, uh, and so I asked him today, and he said, well, Mom, to tell you the truth, like, when we first moved to Tulsa with Bill, and you had that seat, that, that record, I would put it on when you guys would all leave. He said, now, I wanted to be a rock star, but I wasn't allowed to listen to any of that kind of music. So I just put on that song. And it got in him. It got in him. And so he's going through the airport. First of all, he starts singing. He's in the airport down in um, Dallas. <laughs> he's walking. He said, oh, yeah, I remember. Sing for me. Sing for me. He started that one. Because he would hear me singing that on the piano. And then he said, and then he said, Mom, I just know you were so broken. Oh, he goes, now I'm crying in the middle of the airport. Here, everybody's looking at me. I said, well, stop doing what you're doing. He said, well, I can't help myself. He said, that song got in me. And instead of being a rock star, it became a worship song. And so whenever he talks to me about worship or whenever I go in his house, he starts singing that song or he'll... He'll come out, you know, from somewhere and just be singing that song at the top of his voice. And it's because God got that in him from that record being played in our house because of the praise. It got inside him. And he said, you know, today, Mom, sometimes I really need that song. I said, can I tell the people what you did? He goes, yeah, but don't tell John, you know. Because <laughs> he never wanted John to see him doing that. But, you know, it became... Uh, it became something that God used in my kids' life. Now, they would all tell you I kept them awake singing and playing. But that song got into Matt. And I'm thankful for that because now when he gets in situations, that's the song that rises up inside him. And even today, he'll say, Mom, I like those old songs better than the new ones. He said, I really like them better because I can feel the presence of God when those songs are sung. And so, you know, for him, wherever God touched your life, isn't it true that with that, that's what, it, when you hear it, it just pulls you right back to that place of where God touched your heart. You, you can never get away from the presence of God if you stir it up. And you stir it up when you praise him. Prayer enter, enters you into the presence of God. Praise and worship puts you in that place. But when you worship, there's something about worship that brings change. It, it isn't just you and God talking. It becomes him taking a hold of places in your life. And all I can say in that year that I spent with my Baptist, whatever, but then I got a hold of Rest Half. Then I got over to ORU, and they started singing something good is going to happen to you. I thought, well, that's really good because it happened. It hasn't happened so far. But it did happen to me there. It did happen to me there. God healed my heart. He healed every part of me. And through worship, he poured in a love that nobody could ever take away. You know, it doesn't matter what people do, what people say, what people think. It's a connection into the throne room 
that comes from worship and praise. Amen? We'll finish it next week. Let's stand. I want to pray for you. Uh, I just felt to be, you know, tell you real stuff, you know, uh, because sometimes uh, you can wonder why we sing all the songs we sing. Even my own husband, you know, sometimes will say, wow, that was a hard one, you know. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that next week. Why we pick the music we pick. Why, you know, what is a worship team? Why do we have a worship team? Why, why do we have instruments? Why do we do what we do? Uh, I'm thankful for our worship team. And uh, I'm thankful for John, especially because I said to him, you're going to just play the keys. He goes, I, I play guitar. I said, well, now you're going to play keys. Hallelujah. <laughs> but he does a great job. And God anoints him when he sings and plays those keys. So, uh, you know, when you, when you do what God has you do, and sometimes it's other people who say, move in this position, God's going to change you. I want to pray for you tonight that you have a hunger and a thirst to abide in the presence of God and to worship. You know, maybe it'll just start out with a few words, but then just begin to sing whatever song he puts in the inside of you. Maybe a new song. Maybe it's one nobody ever heard before and nobody ever will, but he will. Amen. Father, I thank you for every person here tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you set a fire. We sang it earlier tonight, Lord, on purpose because the fire has to be in us. The fire of God is in there. It's in every one of you because the Holy Spirit is inside of all of us and the Holy Spirit will help us worship. The Holy Spirit will teach us to worship. The Holy Spirit will show us how to worship for us. Maybe you're not a singer here tonight. Maybe you've never sung, but your worship can be with your words. It's just an attitude that you take of getting into God's presence. And, and I pray that uh, a hunger and a thirst will come in every single life here tonight to begin to praise you, Father, to praise you for the things that you do, but more than that, to praise you for who you are and the, a rehearsing of who you are in the hearts and the minds of everyone here. Now, I just want to pray tonight, if there's anybody here who needs to recommit their life to Jesus. I, I just want to be sure I don't ever leave without that opportunity. You know, maybe things have happened or situations and, and you've kind of stepped away, but you know, I need, to, I need to get things right. I need to get this right with the Lord. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Because I want to pray with you tonight before you go. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for every person here tonight. I want you to say this with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you saved me. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved, delivered, and healed. I ask you to help me to spend time with you, to be acquainted with you and your presence like I've never been before to have a heart to worship and to wait for you and to see you high and lifted up, to see your glory in my life, uh, growing, going from glory to glory as I worship you. I thank you that no weapon formed against me 
can prosper if I rise up and condemn the word that is against me. It is my right as a child of God to bind and loose, to bind the, work, the wicked one and to loose your power in my life, on my behalf and on the behalf of others. Let me be bold, strong in my confession of faith every day as I worship and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want you to say this. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Jesus is Lord over my life. I have victory in every arena because I put him first. I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and my labor is not in vain. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and be blessed. Hallelujah.